Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. My premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days. You can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is a humble treat to be here today. We have with us Johnny Pollard. Johnny, how are you, brother? I'm very good, Amri. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm doing good. For those tuning into Johnny for the first time, hold up just a sec. Let me do the honors. Johnny is a meditation and wisdom teacher who's dedicated his life to sharing ancient knowledge. He specializes in teaching the art of embodying our true nature to live the most meaningful life possible. Author, speaker, dude, it's all happening. It is such a treat to have you here in this space, Brother Bear. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inspired Evolution. Glad to be here. I would love to know, I would love to know, where did this all begin? How did you end up on this path? I do not feel like nowadays meditation, wisdom, sure, much more part of the common vernacular, purpose is a conversation more and more of us are are having, but this seems to have been your path for a little bit longer than the average Joe Bloggs, <laughs> let's call it that. Um, yeah. How did this become your path? I mean, to be completely honest with you, I don't think that I was on any other 
trajectory. Um, my, my awareness as far back as I can remember, um, there was always a deep sense of importance about this life, um, a, a sense that uh, something was awry, that mm. I clearly didn't fit in um, because of something foundational about my perspective that I wasn't willing to let go of. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt a great discomfort um, at the, the social pressure and the cultural pressure of trying to con- conform, trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, out of respect, I think I made a good attempt at various t- phases, um, you know, through my childhood into my adolescence and adulthood. Um, but, you know, it became very clear that the exercise was totally futile to mm-hmm. the, the, the freedom of my spirit. And it was never it was never an option for me to compromise that. I was never um, sufficiently desperate or afraid of um, sort of validation from the world around me in order to um, me to feel okay about my position in life. You know, where or my sensibility, how I saw things, and what I believed to be of value and, and not. And so I, 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 I just was. I, I can't really take much credit for it. I was just instinctively devoted to honoring my spirit, what felt good and um, not compromising and exposing myself to things that didn't. Um, and, you know, as a result, school was a real challenge for me mm-hmm. um, because it, it demanded that I conform and participate in things that, had very little meaning to me. I could make no sense of what it was that I was being asked to do, despite my many attempts at requesting some insight, you know, what is the relevance of this really? Mm. And my teacher's inability to sufficiently, you know, provide me with something um, other than some tokenistic, you know, this will help you get a good, a good mark so you can go to university and do what you really want to do. But I'm like, do I really want to you go? Want to do that? <laughs> shush, shush, stop it! Like, this line uh, of questioning must cease. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So the 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 result the net result of that was that I felt relatively isolated hmm. in my in my worldview, and had to some extent live in the closet, um, and then in another extent you know be quite overtly rebellious in my teenage years you know anti-establishment very punk um you know got tattoos at an early age lots of piercings and wore silly clothes you know to kind of define myself as being something other than Mm. you know what society you know was demanding and i wore that kind of as a medallion quite proudly until ultimately i realized that my rejection and disdain for, for the world was actually causing a deep illness in me, like a spiritual illness, um, because what my spirit really wanted was to belong, what it, because that, that's our nature. And that's what I think led me into a more sort of sophisticated um, approach to understanding who I, who I was as a human and who we are as human beings and what life means really. And, um, 
yeah, I think in my sort of mid to late teens is where it all started to, the, as I describe it, the, the cracks in the veneer of my disdain for conformity. Because that's how I define myself as just saying, you know, I don't belong to you. Mm. I'm kind of like, fuck you, you know. Mm. And um, all of that started to crack. And, uh, yeah, that led me on a, on a, on a beautiful journey of self-discovery which I'm still on to this day. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, brother. The, the, I guess my question is, was geared initially around a little bit towards that particular juncture that you just left off at? The going from rejection to belonging, that is quite a seismic shift to rejecting, um, you know, and I think the, the, yeah, there's a whole journey in there where we sort of want to be, something different and then we realize that you know um everything is as it is you know and that acceptance is a, is a whole journey in itself but i think there's definitely more to unpack in around the rejection and you know potentially what illnesses that was creating within you and potentially that is you know what brought you to the sense of belonging but what what was the shift there that went from rejection to belonging like rejecting what was out there to finding yourself belonging it was, in it all it was a deep pain in my heart mm. Was a, it was a, a, a strong sense that something was really wrong. And, you know, retrospectively, I'm like, well, of course, because, you know, what I've come to realize is that the full expression of our human, humanity, um, a sense of wholeness within ourselves, comes from the understanding that we belong to the greater whole, that we are inextricably linked and connected, that our humanity is uh, a a thing that is expressed in a fabric that we all belong to. Mm. It is a sensitivity and awareness to the needs of the greater whole and how I'm bringing my individuality to serve that, to elevate that, to ensure that it is stable and balanced. And, um, you know, it's my perspective that we are, we are so far from at this stage um, as a species uh, from truly embracing and living this on a day-to-day level, uh, at least the vast majority, there's there's a great many on the planet that are, are truly dedicated and courageously so. Mm. Um, because there's, there's, a, there's a great force of rejection out there. Mm. Um, uh, and so it requires a, 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 a great amount of character and volition to hold steady in the face of these times for those souls that are deeply sensitive and feel the call to belong and to mm. nurture that belonging, despite the fact that it's throwing mud in our face. Mm. So, um, and I and I I felt that um, deeply, and I, you know, it was a, it was a conflict that I could not resolve, nor that that I appeared to not be able to resolve by myself, um, but I could no longer ignore. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was the, that was the catalyst. That was the shift. It's like okay, I can't ignore this anymore, and it's plaguing me, and I I don't appear to have the tools within me right now mm, but i mm. had to really understand what it is i'm grappling with mm-hmm. and that subsequently led me to india mm. your motherland um, where, um i engaged in the, the 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 teachings of a cousin tradition of yours mm. and um and found a, the, the vedic tradition and found a, an enormous amount of insight and uh, support in the process that I was actually going through. What I realized mm. was that I was just going through what 
you know, millions and millions of humans mm-hmm. through time memorial have gone through eventually in their evolution of awakening. Mm-hmm. And there was beautiful language and a systematic way of, 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 of looking at it and approaching it. Mm. And so I, I did that became the, the bridge for me to make this transition from embracing who I was rather than defining myself by who I was not. And that, that ultimately led me to, you know, the realization of, of who, what we are as a species and the responsibility that we have as individuals. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I do want to ask about that journey and your realizations um, from that time in India. Um, that really settled in. Um, but before we go there, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to end up referencing the golden sequence in and around some of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but what I want to do, tune into is, you know, knowing that on your journey, that the path was always meant to be the way that it was, even in its creativeness and its destruction as it was. Um and yet at this time, it seems like, you know, there are those that are, we need better languaging, but let's just say waking up um, and that those that are potentially business as usual, let's just call it that. Um, and the majority seems to be business as usual, despite some of the symptoms around the world, which is like, hey, business as usual may potentially not be the way that will actually sustain our humanity going forward. Um is that also on its own perfect path on the macro level as well? And is it part of the necessary climate for the awakening that we're going through? Um, any reflections yeah. on that? Yeah, certainly. It's a, it's a really big and important question. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a complex answer mm. because there is the, the sort of the cosmic view, the, the 40, the 40,000 foot view mm. um, where we're, we're taking the consideration, the, the greater mechanism of existence, which is um, that um, everything is cyclical, everything go, grows in cycles and in, in process. And um, within any process, there is a moment of creation. And then what's created is sustained, maintained um, for, for the, 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 the length of time that is relevant for its life. Mm. that serves the purpose for creation until mm. something new comes. And when something new comes, what has been maintained for a time no longer is relevant and it gets relegated into a, a process of disillusion. 
and so and then it dissolves Mm. And we can observe this happening in our physiology, we can, in nature, everywhere. This, mm-hmm. this uh, system of creation, maintenance, and dissolution is foundational to, to nature and human existence. Um, and we can observe it literally everywhere, uh, all the time. It's always mm. at play, uh, particularly in human consciousness, in the human psyche, and our relationship to things. And so, you know, if we, if we take the, the, the position that humanity is going through a, a, create, a new creation cycle where what we were maintaining that has become no longer relevant is in a process of being dissolved to create further space for something new to emerge. And it appears that the, as a part of our um, condition, I would say, our resistance to change is simply because we are so... Um, deeply traumatized by the the environment that we have created, mm. uh, which is devoid of our humanity and devoid of deep relationship with nature itself. And as a result, neurologically, we become um, bound uh, by our resistance for change because when when we are stressed and we are under pressure, what we don't want to deal with is any, any new information. What we want to do is sufficiently process what's taking place in this moment to feel like we can get on top of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that we face mm-hmm. danger. So the, the part of the brain that's um, capable of, of actually processing new information and innovating and creating gets shut down for the purpose of dealing with the danger that's before us. Now, the danger realistically is, is a delusion. It's, it's fabricated um, as a result of our, our brain being trapped in this fight or flight state. So, you know, if we're feeling anxious and we're feeling danger biologically, then the mind will start to create stories to reinforce why, why it is we're feeling this way. Mm. We start to actually fabricate um, delusions um, of why there is danger. And, uh, and then ultimately it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we tell ourselves long enough that there is something to be afraid of and that, you know, we are in danger, then we will manifest that as reality because we act in accordance with our expectation. We're expecting danger. And if we keep expecting mm. it, it just materializes. And mm. so this is the pickle that the world has got itself in mm. because it's of its inability to recover from the, uh, the, the, the inability to adapt to an environment it hasn't biologically the evolved state. in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, this environment that we live in, the world that we live in is not how we evolved. And we know that biology takes a long time to evolve. And it's only been 12,000 years since we were living as hunters and gatherers, mm. you know, in tribes deeply connected with the earth, in tribes of no more than 30 or 40 people. Yeah. Now look at the way we live. You know, it's not a long time. Our biology hasn't evolved apart from some some aspect of our gut that processes starches apparently because of the bread we eat that's the only thing that they've really noted that has evolved in that twelve thousand years mm. so we're, we're, we're carrying around these bodies of hunters and gatherers and we're living in these you know these modern metropolis you know uh, uh, over overwhelming cities that are you know wreaking havoc with our nervous system and our brains to process mm. what's really going on here. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, the, um, 
so from the, the 40,000 foot view, we, you know, everything's cool, but down here as humans on the ground, you know, it's, it's, it's a different story. It's, a, it's, it's a really, and, and we don't want to dehumanize by the way, mm. by, by spiritualizing over spiritualizing, mm. you know, by getting into this kind of cosmic perspective, everything's fine, man. It's just an evolutionary cycle of humanity. And, you mm. know, we, we, we can't brush off what we're experiencing just because we have the 40,000 foot view. We also mm -hmm. have to tend to the, the, the individual experience that we're having right now, process it, make meaning of it and reclaim our humanity on, on this sort of grassroots here and now level mm. and, and bring our power of insight that we gain from our 40,000 foot view into our moment to moment interactions to liberate the design liberate the the condition of the of the brain and mm. spread that which is essentially you know the work that you're doing as far as i can see <laughs> touch wood one of the yeah. interesting pieces and again what's precipitating for me over at this side at the moment is yeah like the biology the our, our evolution biologically you know 12,000 years big time scale but even like sometimes i take a moment brother just to sit there and go i look at some of these and i've started getting into indigenous australian art and some of like even just some of these old photographs they're like just over like just over 100 years old they're not that old they're just over 100 years old and there's like one person and of a particular skin color and another person pulling like three people with shackles around their neck of another skin color and I'm just like, that's like, you know, that's three generations. That's not that long ago. And that was happening in the 60s. <laughs> right? And so the, the, the thing that's precipitating for me is I can see how much this is dissolving in our time. Like this unit, like maybe we can call it unity consciousness. It sounds a bit cheesy, but whatever. You know, this, this conversation around potentially like more unity, right? And I love the aspect of potentially, you know, if you wanted to rebrand spirituality, I humbly feel like potentially you could just rebrand it as unity in many ways. But more, more and more unity is coming through. But then exactly what you were alluding to is like, you know, when we were tri black warring tribes for so long, you know, and even, you know, like we expect so much of ourselves in our human condition to be better, to be these unified version of ourselves and yet we've got to try and keep up with or the biology has got to try and keep up with the expectations that we're setting for ourselves or our consciousness is setting for ourselves in some way am i making sense in the way that i'm articulating what i'm articulating yeah well what i've what i'm what i heard was mm. that um that it's clear that there is a change taking place mm. you know that um, you know, only a hundred years ago, there were the, the magnificent indigenous people of this land walking, roaming freely in some areas, mm. at least 200 years ago, mm. maybe not quite a hundred years ago. Mm. Um, the atrocities were certainly happening a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, and then, you know, now we're at a point where um, we're in deep ref reflection at least I think a, a, a majority of this country are in deep reflection about the atrocity of the way the Indigenous people were treated. 
And there is through that, uh, you know, memory of what this nation was built on, mm. <laughs> the atrocity, um, a, a deep sense of remorse, uh, which brings us into a deeper connection of the state of unity that you're talking about. And, you know, let's just hope that that continues. The, the, the subject of um, the, the, the first nations people um, is, you know, one that's dear to my heart. My first spiritual teacher was actually uh, an indigenous man from the Bunjalung tribe, coincidentally mm. where I live now. Yay. I was living in Sydney at the time that uh, I was, I was being taught by him. Mm. Um, but now living in the place where you know, he was originally from. And um, the, the insight that I, I gleaned, you mm. know, just glimpses because, you know, what the Indigenous people are, the Australian Aboriginals, you know, so profound in their, in their connection mm. to reality, mm. not just to the land, to reality, mm. their consciousness state that they were in for such a long period of time is so profound that is it's 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 not comprehensible to to the average person they they existed in a paradigm so far beyond how we're existing right now mm. and um there's just so much to learn from them and so much to learn in the the reconciliation and the healing of what was what was done uh, in, in those times and what is still being done to some extent. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of work to do in terms of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for Australia, we, we have that um, as a, a roadmap for how we can return to unity is by taking the, the, the deep wisdom from these wonderful people that had it and lived it for so long, pass it on for generation after generation, you know, over a hundred thousand years, hundred thousand years, you know, we can't even get our head around that. No, <laughs> not even close. Live in harmony with the, with the, with the, with the, with the land Imbalance. and their culture. And it lived on deeply spiritual. My... Mm. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. We could talk about that one for the, for the whole hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's take a little sidestep there. So we were talking before about how there's always being space for creation, there's being space held for maintaining things, and then things are dissolving. And the the little pre-programmed Indian <laughs> bias version in me was like, ah, there's a little bit of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the influence that Vedic philosophy had on you um, at this particular juncture. So what were some of the... What was it about Vedic philosophy that actually really, because I'm sure in your journey from things being out of alignment to, you know, finally that sense of belonging, um, yeah, you would have interfaced with many things, but it seems like going to India was a call and interfacing with Vedic uh, Vedanta philosophy was actually something that really clicked in. What was it about Vedic philosophy for you? Can you share some of your insights uh, with us? Yeah, it just... It, it, it speaks at a very granular level. I think the nature of my mind is that I like detail. Mm. Um, I like, I like the, the detail of, of things to be clarified and, and answered. I'm, I would have been one of those kids that would have been like, 
yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? Yeah, but, but why? You know? And um, I was able to do that um, with the Vedic um, worldview. Mm. And every yeah, but why delivered a whole other dimension of insight and knowledge. And then I go, okay, yeah, but why? And then, boom. and the deeper I probed, it had, it had an answer for me. Mm. In, and it made so much sense. But the way it was delivered was, hey, hey but don't take my word for it. Mm. See if you can detect this on the level of your own experience. The beauty of this, this knowledge, the, the pure Vedic knowledge, um, is that it's, it's delivered as a proposition for your personal investigation. It's mm. not a doctrine. It's not dogmatic. It's, it's, it's anti that actually it's, mm. it's the opposite spectrum. It's not interested in you conforming and uh, sort of adhering to some philosophical perspective. I wouldn't even call it Vedic philosophy, to mm. be honest with you. I call it Vedic knowledge because knowledge has utility. You know, it is all about uh, uh, the, the, the means by which you can implement your own personal awareness in a particular way to be in the most dynamic relationship with this moment to contain as much information, AKA complexity and begin the process of reconciling the, the paradoxes that appear in our consciousness Hmm. that appear inside of ourselves. Hmm. And um, which is what any good knowledge should do is lead you to resolve to understand the, the, the underlying truth of reality, but not as an idea. And by the way, you'll never understand the truth of reality conceptually. It is an experience mm. that's had, it's a state of being. And um, the, the emphasis was always placed on this first and foremost as a slogan, you know, experience first, knowledge second. And so I was led into a series of techniques and processes, including meditation Mm. Um, that refines my, my senses and my awareness, my perception, um, and my, my faculties of discernment to, to a point where I was able to hear the knowledge with some context to what it's pointing to. Whereas if you just hear the knowledge without any um, shift in consciousness first, if you're not rendering the mind capable of absorbing what's being said mm. then it's just going to re- remain in an echo chamber of your mind More bits just flying past you. yeah yeah so uh you know I, I just feel so incredibly fortunate that I, I was able to be exposed to to teachers that were able to convey this to me and and teach me this and um create the foundations for how i would process absolutely every bit of information that I could then render into knowledge and then embody in some way that becomes wisdom. And so, you know, when I refer to myself as a wisdom teacher, it's not that what I'm teaching is wisdom. Here's my pearls of wisdom. Mm. It's here's the means by which you can gain access to your own teach. I teach people how to gain access to the place where wisdom is within inside of themselves. Mm. And um, this was the distinction that was made when I was taught is that, you know, all the knowledge is within me if I know how to access it. 
and I was masterfully trained into how to gain access to that. I love that. And, that, and that's what I share. Would you be willing to share some of that with us today? How do we go about accessing some of the wisdom that is inside us, some of the knowledge that is within us? What are some of the best practices in your opinion or some takeaway practices for those tuning in to this episode? Yeah, I could lay out a, a broad brushstroke sort of mm. approach. Um, the first is to be willing to um, introduce new habits um, that are going to cause um, some kind of change in the physiology. What I mean by physiology is the brain and the nervous system. Mm. At the moment, um, if you find yourself trapped or stuck in thinking and feelings um, that limit your capacity to see outside of the limiting ideas that these thoughts and feelings uh, impose upon you, mm. feeling like you're in, in a prison of your own mind, in, in your own body. If you are somebody that is experiencing this and desiring to be free of it, first you need to be willing to sit in the discomfort of this and to accept that this is where you're at. It's only through acceptance, which seems counterintuitive, Normally, uh, because of the nature of our fight or flight response, the instinct is to fight against it, to fight against the thoughts, to fight against the feelings, to push through it, to resist, to defend. But all this does is it creates a fracture inside of ourselves, a split, and um, we're creating more mess to clean up. Um, ultimately, what we're seeking to do is to unify the experience of ourselves so we're not fragmented. We're not in battle with ourselves. There's only one you. It's, it's, it's a, a, a condition of um, a mind that is exposed to undue pressure that hasn't been able to sufficiently recover that finds itself at odds with itself. Mm. And so what we're seeking to do is um, to establish a habit of identifying when we find ourselves in conflict with ourselves and to revert to a deeper state. Now, the only way we can access a deeper state is if we cultivate it. This mm -hmm. is where we introduce meditation. Mm -hmm. Meditation is a practice that establishes the foundation of the self. It actually, beyond our intellectual reckoning, exposes ourselves to the direct experience of what we are, which is essentially a dynamic, intelligent, abstract field of awareness that has the capacity structured within it to respond to any challenge or demand that appears at odds to reconcile. It has the capacity to reconcile by its very nature. And the more we expose ourselves to this unbounded awareness, the more capable we are of drawing from it in moments when we find ourselves torn within ourselves at odds in battle. And uh, that, that reconciliation um, becomes the replacement habit of defending or attacking some part of ourself or another. And this is a habit that, it, that needs to be introduced and practiced. And my book, The Golden Sequence, is all about this, mm. how, to, how, to, how to actually entrain the brain to begin utilizing what it's cultivating as a result of the meditation practice. Mm. I think everybody needs to meditate, period. Everyone needs to meditate. <laughs> You'll be both. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, um, and then uh, so once, once we've got sufficient awareness mm. to become curious about um, what, it, 
what it is that where it is the source of our our pain and fear is to um, confront our past, to confront the confront and resolve the trauma of our childhood, of our past, and um, we are by humans all carrying some form of trauma. We cannot exist in this world without being at least in some way partially traumatized because this world is a violation to our spiritual nature. It just is. The moment you come out, ugh, it's a violation of our, of our deep spiritual nature. And we become conditioned by the coarseness of this reality. And as a result, we become desensitized and we lose sense of things that we need to be remaining contact with in order for us to feel well, to feel whole, to feel our, our total self. And so the way in which we can reclaim our whole total self is by confronting where it is our trauma lies and going through a process of healing that. There's a variety of different ways in which you can go about doing that, you know, psychotherapy coupled with somatic healing, coupled with meditation, coupled with whatever you can throw at it, really, depending on how deep your trauma is, you know, there are many different tools that, that you can use that enable you to gain clarity about where it is you have come from, what your story is, and to what extent that story has suppressed the expression of your spirit. And um, the, the, the sooner we can, we can come to terms with this and become aware of what it is we're carrying around with us. We can begin rewriting the script. We can recontextualize the story that is being told by our scared, wounded child. We can transfer that into the hands of our more enlightened adult self. Mm. And furthermore, continue editing that story as we become increasingly more enlightened, introducing greater expressions of compassion and understanding for where we've come from, for those that have violated us, to those that, you know, have, have not understood what it means to, to nurture a growing you know, child into a, a fully empowered human, adult human. So there's, there's that, confronting the trauma. And then it is um, coming to terms with your power, like really investigating the reality of the implication of your existence and recognizing that you do not exist in isolation and no thought, no deed, no feeling, nothing that is had by you is had in isolation. You are perpetually broadcasting into a field that we share that ultimately inf informs the whole thing of who and what it is. Mm. We are constantly informing each other of who and what we are. And we need to embrace the, the responsibility of the immenseness of our power to inform the collective of who and what it is by starting to act and behave in, in micro moments, in every incremental moment in accordance with what we value most deeply and to that which we hold sacred. And then as we start to get a grip on all of that, to start ritualizing the, the moment more, sanctifying everything, making sacred everything that we engage in, cherishing your deepest and most important relationships and making it of the, of the greatest importance that you are the, the best version of yourself is always present, reminding everybody around you of their worthiness of your love and therefore 
their, their capacity to be reciprocal in that. Because there's nothing more elevating than being in the presence of someone who demonstrates your worthiness. Because that's the thing that awakens the human heart is when somebody can feel loved by somebody seen fully and um, uh, honored in, in that way. Mm. And in that, in that it, it, it inspires the heart almost involuntarily to reciprocate, right? You just want to give back. You just want to, you want to give back. And mm. then what we create is something very groovy. Um, and to me, this is the way the world, the only way the world would change. The world can only change through micro conscious activism where human hearts open and share, you know, with, with a, a sort of a fearless attitude, a courageous attitude and make themselves available uh, in, in the most mundane moments mm. because the, the, the profoundness of our humanity is expressed, I believe, in the most mundane moments. I'm finding increasingly more and more I'm seeking less wow moments in my life and, you know, as in like, you know, being, you know, on a stage in front of 10,000 people leading a mass meditation, which I used to love to do, just loved it. And I'm less inclined to want to do that mm. and just hang out with my wife and, and my, you know, two-year-old daughter and my family and just my friends and, and you know, just have intimate conversations like this. Mm. Um, it, I'm finding, because I'm noticing that that's, far more sustainable and far more impactful really at the end of the day, because the more intimate we can get, the deeper we can go, the deeper we can go, the more we understand, you know, the more we are sharing the circuit becomes strong and the velocity of energy that exchanges becomes more impactful mm. because it's our connections that send the signal out into the world. It's, us in isolation is one thing, but us in, in, in union, in the mm. unity thing that you're talking about, is the thing that creates the effect in the field. Mm. How we demonstrate how two things, two states of consciousness can come together and really see and feel each other is where it's at. Mm. And all we need is like people, uh, you know, everyday people doing it and the mm. world will change. Yeah. Love that. Wow. Our big, prob our big problems have small... Yeah, that's sort of all the big have all the micro that that's the thing we need to start mm. thinking like that mm. all the big problems require micro activism to reverse it it's not Which, one person or one institution's role to fix the world yeah as you're sharing that what's precipitating for me is uh moa shared me shared this with me the other day there's these two ladders side by side and one has like heaps of like heaps of rungs like all tightly packed in together and there's one ladder which has like five rungs and like they both go to like heaven, right? And uh, but the first uh, on the first one, the person's kind of like, you know, gently, 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 step by step, making his way up the ladder. And in the second one, the person can't even reach the first rung because he's trying to make a massive first step, you know, mm. and that's really what I'm hearing here is, yeah, all mm -hmm. the little micro habits, micro moments show up to help you cultivate ultimately um, that which you're trying to attract and be and become and the shift that you want to basically see and be a part of. Mm -hmm. mm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. all internally referenced at, at the start. You know, if you really want to make a change, you just get very intimate with what's going on in here. It's all in here. 
And then everything that comes out of here is what you're exporting for the good of all. Mm. You know, we're not importers. We are exporters. Mm. That's how we need to shift our consciousness. But before, prior to that, it's all about what can I import to yeah. make this better? Takers and givers. Yeah, yeah, take, take, yeah. Yeah, yeah, take, take, take. I need validation from you. I need this. I need that, mm. whatever. You know, we, we need to, to flip that model and recognize mm. that everything that we're seeking is actually inside. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. It's mm. just the reality of the situation. What we're seeking actually is just an understanding of what we are. And what we are is always present. We're mm. always here. That's the good thing about all of this. The thing you're seeking is right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dare you look. And I think that leads into my next question is, Johnny, you've worked with quite a few people in this space. Um, and I've got my own set of answers to this question, but I'd love to sort of unpack it with you is, what do you think are people's resistances to looking within? Why, like, what is the resistance to, to doing that body of work? When it, like you said, in many ways, it's a lifetime's work. And in many ways, it's simple. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, there's that juxtaposition to it. But the resistance to, to going there um, for so many, is it just the fear is so large? Yeah, I think, you know, I touched on it before. Um, I think it has largely to do with the condition of the nervous system and the, mm. the way in which the brain functions have been habituated. Um, you know, we're trapped in a, a cycle of desperation and survival. We're being deeply indoctrinated into a, a value system that is about how you are seen in society um, and, you know, what's important to acquire in order to, to have some sort of relevance and significance and status. Um, and that's, that's for the people that are kind of on top of it. You know, the people that aren't really on top of it are just trying to make enough money mm. to pay their rent. If they're lucky, pay off a mortgage to mm. feed themselves, their family and have enough recreational time to perhaps meet somebody or have experiences that are expressive of this, this thing inside of me that I haven't spent much time really looking at and understanding. Mm. You know, so there, there is a cultural um, vacuum of the, of the substance that's required that becomes the, the, the fabric in which we can cross the divide. Mm. There's a vacuum sucking the, the thing that we can build a bridge to the self. Very little about our society says go within. Mm, Take responsibility for your emotions. Understand who you are because these are all important things to live a happy life. It's very very hard to sell you shit when you're comfortable with yourself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to profit when people are in a state of neediness, desperation and fear. Mm. And, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great machine that's churning all of that out, the fear and, and all of that to keep people um, in kind of spiritual wheelchairs. Mm. You know, everyone's walking around with spinal injuries and no one knows where to go to get rehab and everyone's just normalized, you know, the deformity, if you like. Mm. And... Um, and as a result, we have a world that's just, you know, it, it, well, it is what it is. <laughs> mm. um, 
And um, when you actually propose to people that are already feeling completely overwhelmed under the pump with very little time, certainly very little time for themselves, not getting a huge amount of reprieve, not getting a huge amount of pleasure and gratification, um, get little windows of it, and they generally involve alcohol or some other substance that's going to kind of numb the system or alter the system in some way that just provides some relief from the pressure and the tension, the anxiety that they're feeling, you know, to say, actually, I want you to feel that anxiety and pressure mm -hmm. and tension more. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a tough sell. Mm -hmm. It's a tough sell to get somebody to prospectively go in there. The people that are coming to this work have been resisting it for so long that they get into such a state that they end up in a breakdown and they are choiceless. They realize that the alcohol and the drugs and the, 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 the gambling and the porn and the, you know, whatever the, the, you know, the likes on Instagram and all of this kind of stuff that we become addicted to in order to distract us from the reality of what we're experiencing in our bodies. Um, it becomes unsustainable and they're, they're forced to confront it. And thankfully there are people like yourself that, you know, hopefully they'll, 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 they'll discover and, you know, be, be able to begin their journey of um, understanding how to unravel it. Mm. Um, but to answer your question, that's, that's, that's my take on it is that mm. people are up to here with, with discomfort and, pr and pressure. And it's a hard sell to get them to go in and prospectively, you know, dive into that stuff. If, if they aren't in absolute crisis, most people yeah. come to this work when they hit a crisis point. Yeah. <laughs> I was a crisis, yeah. you know, as a teenager, I was having an identity crisis. I, yeah. I was like, I am done with this crazy world. Let me just go and sit by a beautiful river in India and just sit quietly and enjoy myself. Mm. Not have to worry about earning money and you know, all of this stuff it just mm. made no sense. To me. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I, you know, reconciled a lot of that and rendered myself somewhat useful. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Mm. And, you know, we, 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 need to, we need to be very, um, as, as facilitators of this work, I found that the more in touch with the reality of that I am, the more relatable I am to a broader spectrum of people. Mm. And more, I, I, my sensibility is, is appealing to people that would otherwise be like, nah, I don't know about that stuff. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas if I'm like, you know, I spend a lot of time reflecting on the human condition mm. and um, it's, it's important that we, we never lose touch from where we came from. <laughs> you yeah. know, what, 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 it, what it's actually like to not have awareness of ourselves and feel suffocated by anxiety and feel defeat, the, the depression, the, the depression of defeat. Yeah, I was coaching this lady. What well, so many people are experiencing? Yeah, I was coaching this lady in Canada on something very similar to along these lines today, and it was it was this rub of, you know, I don't want to give you the exit strategy to the challenges you're feeling right now because I know that those challenges are serving you, right? Like right now, that that calamity, that crisis is you just you just there, sister. Like you just there, like. Um, but one of the things, yeah. you know, that I find myself saying in coaching as well is, and similar to echo your sentiments, um, is did you ever stand a chance? You know, and I don't say this from a place of like disempowerment, but more so like, you know, society is rigged a certain way. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, like, 
you know, I oftentimes reflect on this. It's I'll go to the local supermarket, you know, and or like the local shops or whatever, and there's this massive billboard, you know, of this this person in his, you know, let's just let's just take a bloke for an example. Uh, this bloke in his in his Bonds undies, and for those that don't know Bonds that are tuning in from it, there's like this stereotypically Aussie fit athletic brand, right? And he's got this eight pack. It's not even. It's like maybe a twelve pack. Right? <laughs> And I'm looking at this sign and I'm like, you know, there's in this like radius of like maybe a kilometer, there's probably five people that look like that. And yet there's probably 5,000 people walking past this sign every hour and we're made to feel inadequate or, you know, this, this society, like, and then you walk down the supermarket aisles and there's all these polished versions of like this skincare, this cream, like you got to look like this, you got to look like that. This is the status of beauty. This and then, like, for you, like, walking around feeling anxious and, like, not comfortable in your own skin, I was just like, did you stand a chance, though? Like, can you just, like, because I find there's this, there can be this negative spiral around it because, first of all, you're not living up to the expectations and then you feel like shit and then you feel like shit that you feel like shit that you're not living up to the expectations and then you kind of in this cascading calamity <laughs> which is just gets rapidly out of hand. I guess somewhat of the blessing to that is at some point it all comes crashing down because it's too hard to keep up with. And that yeah. somehow is the necessary bedrock for you to then break through and finally come home to yourself. But uh, it is a bit insidious in many ways, right? Yeah. It, you know, the odds are stacked against, you know, uh, the average person mm. um, seeing uh the, the, the truth of themselves based on the light that is within them as opposed to having to dig deep to find something um, because they can't bear the pain of not being good enough, beautiful, mm. lovable, adequate, which is the, the gross illness of the human psyche is a deeply embedded inadequacy, hmm. uh, a self-loathing and a disdain for anything other than a stereotypical expression of what beauty and sexiness is. And it's, you know, all that stuff you're talking about, it's parasitic to the human, human consciousness. It's poisonous. And, um, you know, and you start to sound like, an extremist when you, you know, you, you, you say, look, don't expose yourself to those magazines. Mm. Don't, watch, don't watch that stuff. Don't. Mm. Um, but if you really want to be well, you need to turn off the TV. You mm. need to stop reading beauty magazines and, you know, following, you know, Instagram accounts of people that appear to have perfect lives because anybody that appears to have a perfect life on Instagram, all they're doing is working on their Instagram account. Yeah. Um, and it's no life to live. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. And, uh, but once, once we glimmer the light of the truth of ourself, that ignites us. There is a nectar, a sweetness, that overrides all the luring of, you know, these kind of nice. cheap, nasty candy. It just makes mm. us sick. You know, the, the nectar of our being is, is the sweetest thing that we've ever tasted, but 
doesn't make us sick. Mm. It just, the more we taste it, the more it makes us feel well. You know, we start to see our eyes glimmer mm. from it. It's Amrit. That's what your name is. <laughs> the Amrit. It is the nectar of the gods. <laughs> That's 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 the meaning of Amrit, just in case you haven't told that to your listeners. <laughs> Lies. I've got a lot to live up to. Yeah. Let's just call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the podcast serves you yeah. in such a way. Fingers crossed, yeah. toes crossed, <laughs> all my prayers. <laughs> yeah. And this this is this is what the expression of of our own being, the glimmering our own being does, is it it enlivens us. Mm. Uh, in this way and nurtures us from from the insides it, it causes rejuvenation healing recovery that's why meditation is such an important thing because mm. it just takes us there it exposes us to this place and we bathe in it and quite frankly i just don't know how people deal with life without it mm. i'm sure i'd be a, a sort of a, a bumbling mess <laughs> without meditation i'd just be <laughs> Shit, you, you, you and me both, actually. I'd yeah. still be stuck in my depression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, God knows what. Wow, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge. Man, thank you so much. I've got, a, I've got a question for you. What does inspired evolution mean to you? When you hear that, what is it? What lands at your end? What does it invoke? What do you hear? Inspired evolution. Mm. Well, inspiration is the... The impulse of nature's creative intelligence expressing itself through me. So if I have inspiration, it's just, you know, the intelligence of the universe tickling me from the inside, urging me to be expressive of something. And evolution is all that's ever happening. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you could say inspired, inspirational, evolutionary, evolution. Mm-hmm. inspired evolution is like the same thing really mm. you know it's just a, it's two different two different expressions of the one thing inspiration is the intelligence that is the the experience of the intelligence that drives evolution and evolution mm. is the outcome of the inspiration um yeah i love that thanks johnny and just for those tuning in hey johnny's got his own podcast where you've got questions that you can ask Johnny. <laughs> and Johnny, what's been one of your favorite questions that you've been asked? Oh, I know, I know. I know. I know there's a whole yeah. podcast dedicated to this, but I've got to ask, man. I've got to ask. Yeah. I get the opportunity to ask Johnny anything. I've got to ask. <laughs> I don't have a favorite question, but I have a favorite type of question. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the ones where people are asking about, you know, things that are, are super personal. Because it takes a lot of courage for people to to get vulnerable. Mm. We record our podcasts. We'll record like fifteen episodes in a day. Mm. It's an event, you know, where we have it in my studio here up in Mullumbimby, mm. and um, we invite you know thirty, forty people, and they come, they hang out. We have a, two chairs and a mic, and one by one, people courageous enough come up and ask a question. And it can be something to do with the universe, something to do with the meditation, something to do with what's going on in them personally. And I just give a sort of a candid response in a 20-minute 20, 20 slot, sometimes mm. shorter. Um, my favourite kinds of questions are the ones where people really share something very personal and ask me something very personal because they're the, one, they're the episodes that have the greatest impact mm. on listeners because I'm able to really get in there and talk to this person 
mm. and demonstrate how you can um, meet the challenge that's, that, 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 that you've been present, presenting. I can, I, can, I can show how the knowledge is actionable mm. rather than just talking about it in a, in a sort of a nebulous Global. conceptual way, mm. you know. And, um, and then at the end of my response, there's a resolution that's taken place immediately in front of me. Yeah, And so it's not just about recording a podcast. Someone's come and they've left with some resolve, mm. which is like, oh, you know, double whammy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it. Yeah. So, um, and, and because it requires courage, you know, to, mm. to go public with, you know, getting vulnerable publicly. Uh, it's where it's at. And, you know, I just, I just love that. It just makes my podcast experience so rewarding mm. i love doing it i think we're gonna plan to do one i've got a little baby coming three ah, weeks from the congratulations day little boy yo yeah so um i, I would love to record one uh, another series before we uh before he arrives because yep. i can't imagine we're going to do anything after that much. <laughs> all this little guy for at least all those micro moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much, brother. I'll put a link to your show actually in um, the show notes to, to this Thank episode. You. So That'd people to link back into tune into, you can um, potentially tune into how to ask Johnny more questions yourself or tune into some of the questions that he's answered um, already. Man, Johnny, there is so much depth to this conversation and yet, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. So I feel like this is probably the first of many episodes to, uh, to go. I hope so. I'd love to continue you with you, mate. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Brother Bear. And, uh, yeah, just on the thank yous, I want to thank you for obviously your time, energy, presence here today. Um, but, you know, foolishly or unfoolishly, I know that it's not just today <laughs> that informs this conversation. It's a lifetimes of work and maybe lifetimes of work. Um, if you're tuning into, tuning into the vendors <laughs> there. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, man, I just want to thank you for, for bringing all of that with you here today and, and sharing that with, um, with myself and, and the Inspired Evolution audience on behalf of myself and the audience um, and the tribe, the audience, tribe. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. Thank you, mate. Same goes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what you're doing is really wonderful. And uh, I just wish you all the best with everything. And I look forward to us having another little conversation at some other point and just continuing the conversation, sharing in the, in the good work. Mm. Thank you, brother. I'm sure I'll see you in my visits up to Malamibi any, uh, soon. You better. <laughs> <laughs> and for those tuning in, Inspired Evolution Tribe, you know we love you. Obviously we do. We're sharing with you with such depth and such vulnerability, the potency, the strength of everything that we're sharing is here to help you design entirely to help you inspired to evolve. So stay inspired, keep evolving. As always, I'll see you next week. <laughs> you! Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube, click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. 
And hey guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit. And remember to stay inspired to evolve. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm